Missing in Missouri is an investigative podcast dedicated to finding as much information as we can in missing person cases and ultimately find the truth. We wanted to share a correction with Dana's missing person poster. Since we recorded our first episode, Dana's poster has been fixed. The poster on our Facebook is the up-to-date poster. What was corrected is the misspelling of the tattoo, the picture of the tattoo is now on the poster, and they added DNA is available. We want to make clear that this is not because of our investigation or research, but we are happy with this update that might seem small, but makes a huge difference. Before moving forward, we wanted to give a little bit of background information on Sedalia. So Sedalia is a city located in Pettis County. It's the biggest city in that county. It is 86 miles from Kansas City, about an hour and a half, and 189 miles from St. Louis, which is about three hours. The city of Sedalia has about 21,711 people as of July 1st, 2019. It is 13.32 square miles. The median household income is $36,091. The median housing value is $91,427. Now the homes and the area where Dana is from, their median list price is only $55,000. Wow. So the you, you can tell that the area that she lived in was the lower income side of town. Now, having said all that, I have some more stats for you. Pettis County has a total population of 42,425 people. St. Louis County has a total population of 1,002,018 people. So there's a big difference, right? Yeah, huge. Now, Pettis County's domestic violence-related incidents was 1,048.9 rate. Per 100,000. Now, this sounds a lot, right? Yeah. Let's compare it to St. Louis County. St. Louis County's total domestic violence rate incidents, 389.0 rate per 100,000 people. Holy crap. It's drastic. They're one of the most dangerous cities in America. Wow. <laughs> Let so that sink in. So you're not just talking Missouri. I'm not just talking Missouri. I'm talking the whole United States. And let me give you some more stats. Now, in 2008, so all these stats I'm going to read to you next is just from 2008 because that's the year we're kind of focusing on. Correct. The violent crime rate in 2008 in Sedalia was 406.1. The U.S. national average was only 252.4, a difference of 154. Wow. It's, it's really high. The property crime is even higher. Property crime in 2008 in Sedalia was 606.1. The U.S. national average, 302.2. You have a 1 in 17 chance of becoming a victim of either violent or property crime in Sedalia. You have a 1 in 143 chance of becoming a victim of a violent offense in Sedalia. And let me elaborate on what a violent offense is. It's either a rape, a murder, 
non-negligent manslaughter, armed robbery, or an aggravated assault. Can you give a little bit of a definition on non-negligent manslaughter? Absolutely. So non-negligent manslaughter is where two people get in a fight. The person punches the other person in the face. They fall down and hit their head on a rock. As a result of them hitting their head on that rock, that person passes away. The person who hit them can be charged with non-negligent manslaughter because they did in fact kill that person. But they didn't mean to. They didn't mean to and there was no premeditation about it. That is what non-negligent manslaughter is. Okay. So all of this, it's just just crazy, but I have one more stat for you. Okay. Okay. Are you sitting down? Yeah. There is 166 registered sex offenders living in Sedalia right now. Now you say, well, okay, that sounds like a lot. Let me put it in perspective. There is one sex offender for every 130 people in Sedalia. The same stat here in St. Louis County, there is one sex offender for every 444 people. It is really unprecedented. I just, I've never seen anything like this. I, and I definitely didn't expect to see this. I'm kind of speechless because for such a smaller town, I mean, it, you know, it's got a nice population, but for a smaller town, I wouldn't have expected the crime rate to be that high. Well, no, and, and you know, we've gone out there. We've seen a lot of it. It's all rural. I mean, Sedalia is the biggest city in Pettis County. But after that, it's all like farms and small towns. And you're like, well, this is probably a really safe place to live. And it's worse than St. Louis. According, at least according to the, to the stats, it is. So I, I thought that was important to, to tell. I completely agree. It, it helps to put everything else that we find and, and share in this perspective. Yeah, because... We, we sit here and we talk about this and we think, okay, well, maybe this was just one incident in this town or in this county, but these stats don't lie. I mean, these, these stats are from, you know, like the FBI. The FBI reports all this stuff. And, and this right here shows you that this is a dangerous place to live. Even small towns are not safe anymore. <laughs> but having said all that, let's get to Dana. Okay. Okay, so, starting out, we had looked and researched a lot online. Which, there wasn't much. Very little. And we didn't know any other way to to get more information other than starting to contact people. Because we looked on YouTube. And we found one news clip from 2008, but I couldn't find anything else other than there were some videos of searches and things like that. But news-wise, I couldn't find anything other than that one clip. And on WebSleuth, she only had, what, two or three pages? Yeah, three pages. So that's when we started contacting family and friends. And we did it on Facebook. And we sent out messages. It was a pretty generic message. Yeah, I would think so. Um, It was just basically telling them who we were and what we were looking for. And what we were going to try to accomplish. So, I remember I had reached out to this one particular source who's going to remain anonymous, and I have some of what what I sent to them. 
So I had reached out to this source from the beginning, and this is what I sent. I sent the message on July 27th. Good evening, my name is Zachary Hicks, and I am an independent researcher. My wife and I have a podcast dealing with missing people in Missouri. I've been researching Dana's disappearance for the past few weeks and came across that she is a friend of yours. I would like to know what type of person she is and be able to have a little bit better insight. I understand this is difficult to discuss, but we truly just want to help bring more attention to her disappearance. I hope this finds you in a good time and please message me back with any questions or concerns. Sincerely, Zach. So we, I sent that. Fast forward six days later and I get a response, finally. And After this is, contacting how many people? Oh my gosh, I, honestly, I couldn't even tell you the number now of how many people, just me alone, not even, not you, just me alone contacted. And I know I contacted a lot and I know you contacted a lot. But finally, I get a message back. And these were their exact words. How can I help? Wow. That was it. There was no questions. And this is after receiving a message from another person you contact or another Facebook page that you con- yes. contacted yeah. saying nope. That they didn't want to help us. They wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. So for this person to respond with, how can I help? Right off the bat. I literally, I remember feeling really excited because like we just said, we contacted so many people and they were refusing to help or they didn't answer. We couldn't, we were going to, I honestly thought we were going to be at a dead end. I really did. Well, and sometimes it's difficult because when you're not friends with someone on Facebook, your message gets sent to a message requests. But in order to get there, you have to jump through a few hoops to see that you have a message. So for anyone listening, you may have a message from us and maybe in your message requests. But you have to jump a few hoops to get there. Yeah, and see, I didn't know all that. I just thought it showed up, popped up automatically. But I learned that from you. But I remember we were sitting on the couch and we were actually discussing the, the, the case when my phone went off. And I remember sitting there and I looked at you and I was like, oh my God, somebody contacted us back. And, I, and you're like, oh, you know, we were both really excited. And I remember looking at you and saying, what do I say back? And you looked at me and you were just like, ask the questions that you want them to answer. And I said, okay. And I remember getting all our papers together and I, I, that's what I did. So can you read us a little bit of what, how that conversation went? Absolutely. So I messaged them back. I really appreciate you helping me. There is no easy way of starting this. So how long did you and Dana know each other? They answered me, but I'm not going to say the exact answer that they gave me because uh, we're we're trying to keep them anonymous. But I'm just going to say they did know Dana a very long time. So then my next question was, would you mind if I interviewed you over the phone and recorded it to use in the podcast, or are you not comfortable with that? And I remember them getting right back with me and saying, that would be great. And 
and so got on the phone and I called them. Before I play the call, we wanted to let you guys know that you will hear kids in the background. We were babysitting, and anyone who has kids or has been around kids knows that they can sometimes be a little loud. Thank you, first off, for doing this. I really appreciate it. Do you happen to have, like, a, a good story about Dana? Yeah. I don't know. Dana spent, like, she was just always doing stuff with the kid. Like, we, that's mainly what we did all the time was just take the kids and went to the park and played, like, most of our time was spent just with the children. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I have, I had, I've been doing some research and, uh, there's a lot of different things out there. It said that, uh, she had a, like a, she was in foster homes when she was younger. Uh, yeah, until, until she got with her kids' dad, she was in foster care back and forth her whole young life. She went missing by chance? No, Dana was uh, disabled. She was legally blind and one eye. Two or three days after Dana came out missing fully because a 
where she was from in town, you know, she lived on East Fifth Street in Cincinnati, which, you know, was a poor neighborhood. Her kid's dad wasn't, you know, he was in and out of prison. So they just assumed she was just another drug addict that came up as it. And, and she obviously wasn't, she wasn't, um, she wasn't addicted to any drugs or anything. No, and she just, she just signed the lease on a new apartment and just moved into it and everything whenever, the, the day that she came up as it. Wow. Um, by chance, there was something that, it said that she was last seen... Uh, leaving her babysitter's house. Yeah, she went back to her babysitter's, I guess, and asked them to keep the kids a little longer so that she could go out. And they had seen her leaving in a red truck. Oh, they did see her leaving in a red truck. Yeah, that's why the man from Georgia was questioned, because it was apparently his vehicle that she was seen leaving there in. Okay, alright, because everything I've been reading, I was like, well, it doesn't say, it said that, you know, that she was last seen leaving in a red truck at the bar, but I didn't know. Okay. The babysitter had seen a red truck outside the window also. Okay, all right. You, and do you, you don't happen to know that gentleman's name, do you? I, I don't remember. It's been, been quite a long time. Yeah. Okay, all right. And uh, I, I don't want to sound forward with this question. I know it's probably tough as it is. What do you think happened to Dana? I know that there's no possible way Dana could be alive because there's never a chance in my mind that she would ever just leave her children. Yeah. I mean, there had been nights, you know, she had went out and I watched the kids and she would come home to get them even if, you know, she was in a state too. Like, she would always, always came home to the babies. Um, was Dana dating anybody at that time? Um, I don't think so. Not that I know of. I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your afternoon today to speak with me. Absolutely. And I just have another, another question. If, um, would it be okay with you if we do use this in our podcast? Yeah. Okay, all right. I really appreciate it. But I am really sorry for your loss. Thank you very much. But I want to let you know that I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that everybody hears this. So We want nothing more than, than to be able to get closure and the kids to be able to get closure. Yeah, I, I did have, actually, I was trying to get a hold of uh, somebody in Dana's family to talk with, too. Um, the, the people who run the Dana Bruce tribute page. But they weren't... Uh, they didn't want to talk with to me, so you know to to help here. So I mean, she really didn't have family. It's her kids' dad's family that does all of that. Oh, it is. I never even met her, like biological family, because they were. She's always lived with her kids' dad's family, and like that's really the only family she grew up with. I will call you if you want me to with any kind of new information that we dig up. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out today. Thank you. Thank you. You have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. You can really hear the passion and, and hurt in this person's voice. Yeah, yeah, you can. It, it was amazing. And I didn't know, I, as you can tell, I was very nervous in the interview. 
and I didn't want to offend, but it was, it, it was really, there's, the only way I can describe it is before the interview, it was just like a picture, you know, Dana was just a picture, it was just, it was just something I read about. Talking to this individual put like a stamp on it, like it was, it made it real. And it was... Powerful. Powerful, yeah. And moving. Very moving. I I still had so many questions. And I remember talking to you after I hung up with them. And you were like, well, did you ask him this? Did you ask him this? And I was like, no. No, I didn't. Well, it's because like, you're getting this information. And I guess sometimes you don't realize, oh my gosh. You know, some of the questions don't come to you until after. It's, been, it's like... When you're having a conversation and a few days later you're like, oh, I should have said that. that. Yeah. They gave us a lot of information. And, you know, the the individual that they named to us. Oh, my gosh. We're, who we're going to keep anonymous because they haven't been convicted. They haven't been indicted or anything for this. But we have looked into him. We, we've tried to contact him. We wrote him a letter. We messaged him. And, you know, he has our phone numbers. He has our names. Yes, he does. And so, to anyone who's listening who may know or have heard the story and who may know this person and speak to them. we It's just getting everybody's side of the events. We, you know, we're, we're not out to implicate anybody in this. Not at all. We're not the police. We literally are just trying to bring light to Dana's disappearance. Now, what that light brings out of the darkness, anybody, you know, is anybody's guess. But I would think if I was implicated or if somebody was going around saying I did something and I didn't do it, I would want to talk about it. I would want to set the record straight and say, hey, I didn't do this. It's not for everybody and that's okay. We understand why you wouldn't, Absolutely. you know, want to speak. We definitely understand that. You know, and because, you know, I understand that there is a lot of information that gets skewed that is misinformation. You know, you and I, I think, pride ourselves in getting the full story and then putting it out there. We don't want to put out anything that's not true. That's just the way it is. And, you know, it was brought to my attention, and we'll get into this later, but... That, you know, a lot of misinformation has been said about certain things and about certain people. And that's why they may not want to talk or they just are like, I'm done with it. And I can understand that. I get that. But we're not that type of people. We want to find all of the information as much as we can. And it's like a puzzle. Putting everything just right where it sits. Yep. To be able to find the truth. Yeah. I, like, well, like you said, like that puzzle. We, we're taking the, the pieces that we're given and trying to connect them as best as we can. I may see something totally different when that puzzle is put together than what you see. Everybody has different perspectives, which is great about this. And maybe somebody who's listening in the past heard something and it may not have seemed like anything at that point, but maybe this will jog some people's memories and hopefully, like you've said, bring this out of the darkness. Yeah, because, you know, no information is too little. You might think, well, that's nothing because, well, that that's just something that always happens. 
But it could it, it could be the difference between finding something out and something never being found out. And it could be something as small as, like, in the part of the interview that you heard, that the babysitter saw her leaving in the red truck with this with this man from Georgia. So it could be anything as small from you saw her in this red truck or in any vehicle or walking or any you saw her at this place on this street on this part of town at this time that really makes a huge difference it really does it's all about the timeline that's that's what you always hear police talk about timeline 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 and it is but no details too small and the more information that that everybody has the better of a timeline there is to pinpoint where she was before she disappeared. Correct. And I understand that people are scared to talk. I understand people think it's none of their business. They don't want to get involved. But they need to think about what if it was them? What if it was their sister? What if it was their mother? Their daughter? Their daughter? Someone that they cared about as much as, as the people that we've talked to cared and continue to care about Dana. Yes. And, and you know, something else that the individual said in the interview, they said that the police just assumed it was another drug addict gone missing. I don't care if you're a drug addict, a murderer, anything. If you go missing, it is our duty to find this person or to do as much as we possibly can. And I really hope that that's not the case with the police. I, you know, we still haven't talked to them yet. We're going to talk to them, but... I would really like to think the police would not think think that way, but we'll see. Part of the interview that I want to talk a little bit about is the guy from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yes. <sighs> Man. Yeah. It's like the, the police went and questioned him. Yeah, yeah. They went to Georgia to question him because he was actually picked up on unrelated charges. In of, Atlanta. Yeah, of driving without a license. And then he had a small amount of marijuana. So he, he was picked up there and police from up here went to Atlanta to talk to him and they... All it says is that he was a person of interest. They went and questioned him and that was about it. They, they, he remains nameless. So I, I took that as they don't have enough evidence or maybe his story checked out. But I mean, they, you know, there's no arrest ever been made in the disappearance of Dana. Wow. So... You know, I can't iterate enough. No information is too small. And we owe it to Dana and her family to try and do the best we can. Well, I'll tell you another thing I found interesting was when the individual said that, because I had had assumed that it was Dana's family, biological family, that had set up the Dana Bruce tribute page. And when that was brought to my attention that it's actually her boyfriend's her children's father's family that had set that up i was like oh okay you know like you don't hear that too often you know yeah not really and uh, so i thought that was an interesting fact if anyone has any information on the disappearance of dana bruce we urge you to contact the sedalia police department at 1-660-826-8100 you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can also reach us at missinginmissouri at gmail.com. I'm Morgan. I'm Zach. Thanks for listening to Episode 2, Welcome to Sedalia.